Thank you, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Right on. Oh, can everybody see me over this? It's a little high, but we're going to, I'll just walk around. How about that? All right. I am so excited to be here. How many of you know God never changes, but he does change our plans? And I had a message written, and it was ready to go, and I was practicing it all throughout until about Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, and I started to panic, because I started to read it out loud, and I was like, nope, this, this ain't the one. This ain't what God wants me to say, and God was like, you write, and God was like, I got something else for you. So good luck, you got three days, write it down, this is what I want you to say, and I was like, okay, so stay with me, because this was very last minute written, but God has a word for us today. He changed our plans a little bit, so I'm going to go off of the story a little bit this week, and uh, Pastor Troy assured me that it'll be fine to double up next week. All right, well, I want to be a little bit interactive to start off with, so uh, if you're watching online, I want you to write in the comments your answers, but you guys can just shout it out. Let me just hold up a few things, and I want you to tell me what these are. What is this? Wow, everybody had so many different answers. I started with the hard one. This is a glass half empty or a glass half full. That was my bad. Let's, let's go to an easier one. What is this? It is a belt. Yes, I was looking for belt. Or my husband is a backpacking enthusiast. He and other people like that, like outdoorsy stuff, might think this is a tourniquet, right? What about this one? There you go. Hey, that kind of goes with the theme of what I was going to say. It's, it's a flip-flop. It's a house shoe. It's a, um, a lot of, according to my Hispanic sisters, this is some kind of disciplinary device. I don't know. I, that's what I've heard. I'm not sure. My point is that we all view things a little differently, don't we? Some of the ways that we see things are based on our anatomy, and sometimes our perceptions are based on our own experiences. Like, I know you remember this huge debate from a few years ago on what color this dress is. Check out this short video. It's not, raise your hand, team white and gold. Yes, that is what I see. You'd be correct. You got Jesus living inside of you. Who said blue and black? No, it's not blue and black. I swear they changed that dress at the end. There's no way they did a little switcheroo to just freak us all out. Well, it's weird because my husband and I, there's a lot of these different pictures going around, and my husband and I always see the opposite thing. Like, would you put this shoe up on the screen here? So a lot of people see green and gray, and that would be correct. Other people see a pink and white shoe. Who sees a green and gray shoe? My family. Who sees pink and white? No, I don't see pink and white. I don't see what you see. I think it's so weird, isn't it? Man, okay, so I don't know what you see, but chances are, whatever you see, you're not gonna let anyone convince you that there's another way of seeing it. Let's do one more. What is this? Yes, it's a hot dog, and whether I put ketchup or mustard on it, I don't know what kind of person you are, whether you boil it or grill it, I hope you're a grill person, because I hate boiled hot dogs, or you eat it with or without the bun, it's still gonna be a hot dog. But with enough convincing, you could look at it as a hot dog or as a weenie. 
Growing up, my parents drove us five days a week to and from school. We never rode the bus. We never walked. We're very blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. I actually enjoyed field trips because I was like, we get to ride the bus. Um, but my parents were awesome. They always drove us to school. And those are some of the best memories that I have growing up. We would wake up mom and dad, and uh, mom would take us to school. And right before we got out of the car, she would choose the perfect time to ask us, are you going to be a hot dog today or a weenie? To which, regardless of our attitude, regardless of the sleep that we got the night before, we would have to say, I'm going to be a hot dog. And then she'd be satisfied and we'd slip on our backpacks and we'd make our way to class. And at the time, I thought it was just something to make me smile, you know, a few minutes to bond with mom before the start of the day. But now that I'm still reaping the benefits of this practice, I see this question was so much more than that. What my mom did all those years was not only start our day off on a positive note, but this mentality of beginning every day with the conscious decision to choose who you will be, regardless of your circumstances, has stuck with me to this day. So today, friends, we are going to learn the art of harnessing the mentality of a hot dog and not being a weenie. Now, there's a huge difference, so here's a quick way to remember which is which. Weenie sounds a whole lot like whiny, and that's exactly what a weenie does. To a weenie, when it's sunny, I'm too hot. When it's cloudy, I'm too cold. When someone else is driving too fast, they're being reckless. And when I'm driving too fast, everyone else is being reckless by not getting the heck out of my way. When my family doesn't call, they don't care about me. And when my family is around, they only want something from me. When someone I know isn't following their dreams, it's because they're lazy. When I don't follow my dreams, I just don't have enough time. On the flip side, those who are living an exciting life, following God's calling, well, they're just one of the lucky ones. They didn't work for that. God just never picks me. Use your own examples, but the overarching theme here that I want you to understand about weenies is that those who succeed around them are just lucky, and those who fail around them need to get their act together, but the weenie themselves, oh, they're just in a season of bad luck. It's not their fault. Everything is happening to them, and nothing is fair. And now I have a confession to make. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I, Tasha Gampon, am a recovering weenie. I went through this season of everything just sucked and everything so unfair. Complaining actually became an addiction, and that is not an overstatement. The attention that I got from my negativity fed this emotional high that I got for a few seconds before a crash and then a long wave of regret and depression and shame. And for most of my friends who are recovering from some type of substance, some type of addiction, that is exactly how addicts feel. And it wasn't until I discovered the effects of my negativity that I realized my attitude affects everything. And there are three things in hindsight I wish I would have known about the power of my negativity. First, I noticed the more negativity I let into my life, the more sin I let into my life. It was like a domino effect. And I think this is really common with complaining addicts. See, it's not that the whining causes you to sin more in and of itself. It's almost like the sin comforts you after the complaining. Let me give you some examples. I had a terrible day. 
this food will make me feel better. I can't believe they said that to me. I guess I deserve to spend all this money. Why is everything going wrong? You know what? Maybe watching porn for a little bit will get my mind off things. How could they do that to me without even asking first? Uh, another drink will numb the pain. My husband or my boss was a jerk today. If my husband doesn't come home with flowers or if my wife doesn't have dinner on the table, I'm shouting every four-letter word I can think of. And when we justify our reason for complaining, we give ourselves an excuse to sin. See, justified complaining leads to justified sin. So before we even get to our points on how not to be a weenie today, I encourage you, as I'm explaining this, if you're identifying that there's a weenie in your life, help them out by not justifying their complaining. If they go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm complaining too much. Don't go, no, 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 I know you're just venting, it's not a big deal. Because all that does is it justifies their behavior and it pushes them further into sin. You might think you're being a listening ear. I'm sure you think you're being a shoulder to cry on and you have every good intention. But when I look back on my weeniest of years, I wish someone would have pulled me out of the storm that I was creating for myself. Now, if you're the one with the complaining problem, it's important to recognize when you're doing what I call storm sinning. And that's when you feel justified in it. I deserve this. And that feeling is not from God. We learned it from Cain, didn't we? Cain and his brother Abel. See, Cain was so jealous of his brother, he felt like he deserved the same amount of praise that God gave Abel. But God warns Cain in Genesis 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sometimes I think we just need to ask ourselves, Why are you mad, bro? Why are you mad, sis? And is it really worth sinning over? The second thing I noticed was people stopped asking me how I was. And I got to be honest, that hurt a little bit. It even made me angry. I started thinking no one cared about me. But looking back, I see that people were just tired of hearing me repeat the same sad, irritated phrases over and over every time they saw me. And really what that means is a broken spirit leads to broken relationships. Now, this is not the broken that is the same broken as uh, being brought on by a devastating event or a huge loss in someone's life. This is that broken where you may have been hurt by someone or something, and it could have been something you prayed through and allowed God to make you stronger because of it. But instead, you just chose to sort of stay there. Don't get me wrong, this is hard stuff. But that thing you went through, that you've told everybody you know and their mama that you've been through, and now five, 10, 20 years later, it hasn't made you a lick stronger. Maybe it's even made you feel the effects more now than it did then. Chances are it's also weighing on the people closest to you. So from someone who's been in the shoes of the complainer, it's not that people don't care. It's that they're done hearing about it without seeing action put behind it. If you're having a hard time letting go of something unfair that happened to you, Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget what happened in the past and do not dwell on events from long ago. 
And if you're struggling with past sin creeping back into your life, Job 17.9 says, the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. And if the past is keeping you from taking a step that the Lord is telling you to take, Deuteronomy 2.13 says, Moses continued, then the Lord said to us, get moving, cross the Zered Brook. So we crossed the brook. I love how confident that is. Please don't think what I'm trying to tell you is that deeply traumatic events should just be brushed under the rug. That's not what we're talking about. A weenie is someone who not only dwells on the past, but chooses not to deal with it. So if you need help, you've got your pastors to talk to. We've got counselors available for you. But the worst thing you can do is allow the enemy to make you think complaining is a healing process. The third and final thing I noticed about my negativity was that it gave me a reason to ignore my calling. If you find yourself very easily coming up with excuses for why you're not doing something that you know would be good for you, even if it's not said in a terribly negative tone, that is likely complaining in disguise. You know the phrases, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the support. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill. I don't have the willpower. I don't have the platform. And the more that I repeated these phrases, and the more that I focused on what I didn't have, the more I actually didn't have. Let me give you an example. When I told myself I didn't have the time, all it did was give me permission to use my time poorly, which led me to truly be without the time. When I told myself I didn't have the money, all it did was give me permission to use my money poorly, which led me to truly be without the money. And when I told myself I didn't have the support, all it did was give me permission to treat the people around me poorly. And then one day I woke up and realized I've got no support. I've got no backing. So as you can see, perceived lack leads to achieved lack. Proverbs 18:21 says, "The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruits." So church, it may be time to start naming and claiming life instead of death. So now we know what a weenie is, and most of us definitely don't want to be that. And as we're closely approaching the holidays and the end of the year and the start of a new one, I would love nothing more than to see you get a handle, get a grip on this downcast spirit and turn it into a testimony of the joy that can only be found in Jesus, the joy of a hot dog. So if you're ready to be a hot dog, I want to share with you three things you need to know about joy so that we can receive it. Number one, joy is a product of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And I used to think growing up in Sunday school, when my Sunday school teachers would have different cutouts of fruit, and they would label each one a different fruit of the Spirit, and we would sing the song together, I thought that that list was just a big long list of things that we signed up for as Christians, that we're going to have to now work on for the rest of our lives. But now I see that really, this is a list of the attributes and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit that are instilled in us when the Spirit lives in us. 
Does that mean that loving everyone all the time and being joyful every day of the week and having peace in our hearts is easy? No. It means that every single one of these fruits of the Spirit are available to us. And our responsibility in response is to receive them. So how do we receive them? Well, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, verses 15 and 16, study to show yourself approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. So if you go to the doctor and you're like, doc, I just am so tired all the time. I've got bags underneath my eyes and I can't get through a single day without feeling like I need a nap. The doctor's gonna say, well, how's your sleep at night? And if you're like, oh, oh, I don't sleep at night. I, I catch up on TV and social media and I, I'm just kind of up all night. The doctor's gonna say, you idiot, like get to sleep. Like let's start there and then if there's something else we need to address later, come back and see me. But for now, get some sleep. So you can't expect to feel well rested if you're not choosing to sleep. And I believe it's the same way with God's word. If we're not actively pursuing him, if we are not reading his word daily, if we're not asking him to guide our steps and to lead us down a righteous path and to keep us from temptation, if we are not doing those things, then we can't expect to get the benefits of what those things would bring. See, we turn into the people closest to us, don't we? If you want to get to know someone, look at their inner circle, because chances are they're a combination of the four or five people that they hang out with the most. And I don't know about you, but knowing that, I want Jesus in my inner circle. I want who he is to bleed out over who I am, because Lord knows that would be a lot better than what I'm working with now. So the first step to receiving joy in our lives is to fit more of Jesus in our hearts. Number two, joy is meant to be constant. We always say things as humans that just kind of become reality, and it's like so not fact, but it becomes fact in our head. One thing I hear all the time, well, you can't be joyful all the time. Well, not only can you be, you were created to be. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That means that your amount of joy may waver day to day. Some days you may have more joy in your joy tank than others. But if you want a really simple step, think of your joy like germs. Others might be able to kill 99.9% .9 of that stuff, but you hang on to that 0.1% with dear life. And number three, joy is contagious. You know how um, the efficacy of masks has gone up and down in the last couple years? It doesn't matter what our preferences are, what we believe. I'm not getting into that. But I will say at first it was like wear one and then it was like, no, don't wear one. And then it was like layer five. And so I, it got very confusing. Regardless of our preferences and whether or not you're wearing one, because you should wear one if you feel more safe, please do. But there have been ma many cases where those wearing masks still got the virus. Now, if we choose to believe that the masks are doing their job, that means we got a pretty strong virus on our hands. I want to implore you today to have joy so strong that it breaks through the masked people around you. And I'm not talking about the masks that we put on and off. I'm talking about the masks that we've chosen to wear every single day. 
our joy should break through. If we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, our joy better be the most powerful, most contagious virus that causes breakthrough case after breakthrough case. A joy that knocks down our own depression, a joy that annihilates our children's anxiety, a joy that disintegrates our co-workers' nasty attitudes, a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory because we know whom we serve and we know how the story ends and we know we have victory in Jesus and we know that the enemy doesn't stand a chance when we choose joy. So I've got a question for you, brother and sister. Are you going to be a hot dog or a weenie? Would you close your eyes with me? to give you an opportunity both here and if you're watching online to respond today to make some changes and not wait until you get home and not put it off for a few days but right here and now begin to change some of the perceptions that you have of the world around you and just like any addict knows the first step in recovery and healing is admitting you have a problem so if you recognize that whether in public or private, you've been negative, you've been focusing on all the wrong things, and you're tired of feeling the way that you've been feeling, I would be honored to pray for you. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and let me pray for you. Just let God know, you know that he's talking to you today. Praise God. Father, we're a bunch of weenies. But you said that we can bring our cares to you. And God, some of us have been lugging around burdens and cares that just aren't worth carrying. Some of us get too easily offended. We're angry out in the open and, and everyone knows we're unhappy. And others of us complain quietly, maybe even privately. We're thankful and happy and kind in public, but when we get home, our family hears nothing but whining. God, we know we have so much to be thankful for. And we recognize that we've been focusing more on what we lack than on what we have. Would you forgive us? Would you set us free from this addiction of complaining? And God, when things truly are going horribly wrong in the different seasons of our lives, and when others say it seems to be justified, our reason to be negative, would you help us to praise you all the more? In Jesus' name, amen. I am honored to be able to speak to you today. Pastor Trent, thank you so much.